Our very existence depends on this. Black strength. Strength that has carried us for decades, but is undermining an important aspect of our humanity and feeding in on itself. Being strong all the time took away our ability to speak about our weaknesses, our sadness, our mental illnesses. This silence is killing us. Welcome to another edition of the Black Doctor Speak podcast. Black Doctor Speak is your source for vetted, accurate information on African-American health from some of the nation's top doctors and is sponsored by the African-American Wellness Project. Welcome to this week's podcast, Black Doctors Speak. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Lenore. Very important subject today on environmental justice. Our special guest is Dr. Mark Mitchell. Dr. Mitchell is a very distinguished academician whose passion for the environment has been um, very well uh, recognized and respected. He has, uh, I think, dragged many of us as African-American physicians into the, into the fray on providing uh, access and information about environmental issues that impact the African-American community. He is the co-chair of the Commission on Environmental Health of the National Medical Association, the Organization of Black Physicians. And Dr. Mitchell, welcome to the Wellness Watch. Thank you, Dr. Lenore. All right, let's start out by getting some definitions. You know, it's sometimes not easy for us to uh, uh, appreciate what's going on in the environmental area. We know that President Biden's over in Europe talking about the environment uh, and there are issues that we can understand, but some things we don't really appreciate. What is environmental justice? Right. So environmental justice refers to the fact that environmental hazards are disproportionately placed in low-income communities and in uh, communities of color. Um, And therefore, because we are exposed to more environmental hazards, um, we have more health problems in our community. Now, tell us some of the, uh, give me a couple of examples where environmental justice uh, has a a place. A a story or two about some things that you've been worked on, that you've worked on now, are working on now, or worked on in the past. Well, there are many, many things. There are many, many things, you know, and um, uh, and they vary from our, uh, from place to place around the country. There could be things like um, refineries uh, in, you know, in the south um, or wherever. Um, it could be things like uh, factories, chemical plants, um, but even things like roads and, and highways. Um, in Connecticut, where I live, uh, two-thirds of all of the air pollution is from traffic. Uh, two-thirds, you know, and um, our community, like many communities, uh, is intersected by highways. Uh, and b- because of the air pollution from these highways, we have much higher rates of asthma. Uh, other things I work on are things like uh, trash incineration. In the northeastern part of the U.S., we burn more of our trash uh, than other parts of, of the country. And those trash incinerators, the, the, the place um, that's most likely to have the trash incinerators is uh, communities of color. And in fact, the greatest predictor of where environmental hazards are located is the percentage of people of color in those communities. And that's true throughout the country. Uh, and throughout uh, throughout the world, um, 
it, uh, hazardous waste is dumped in communities uh, in um, uh, countries that are uh, primarily uh, African countries or Latin American countries or low-income uh, island nations. Um, and so, so we see that um, environmental racism, uh, which is the opposite of environmental justice, uh, that environmental racism uh, is uh, something that we see throughout the, the world, throughout this country. There are more environmental hazards in the South, in the, um, in the uh, rural Black South, um, than there are in other parts of the country, um, as well as almost any uh, community that I go to, uh, where there's more than 100,000 people, there's an area of low-income whites or uh, people of color uh, that have higher rates of, uh, uh, of hazardous facilities, that have higher rates of um, landfills and, and other uh, types of facilities that affect our health. African-Americans are aware of some of the environmental uh, issues uh, that impact them on a day-to-day -day basis? No, and in fact, uh, people aren't aware of all of the facilities that are located in their neighborhoods. Um, you know, I give something that we call um, environmental justice tours or toxic tours um, of, um, of our city. And I give it to some of the people who live here near these facilities, and they don't realize that there's so many facilities. So, for example, we have um, a trash incinerator, uh, which pr produces, which, which serves uh, more than 50 towns. 50, more than 50 towns bring their trash uh, to Hartford to burn. We have um, recycling facilities where, uh, again, 50 towns bring their recyclables here to be uh, uh, to be packaged and, and shipped elsewhere. Um, we have uh, medical waste facilities. Uh, we have um, uh, a number of other types of major regional facilities. And, um, and so we have more than 600 trucks uh, bringing waste uh, and recycling into the city of Hartford every day. Uh, and so we're exposed to those fumes uh, the diesel fumes from the, that. Um, so, you know, and it's not unusual, you know, uh, people um, uh, are exposed to a number of different um, uh, exposures and, you know, and our health suffers because of it. So are these facilities uh, primarily focused or at least uh, um, existing close to African-American communities, uh, not just in Hartford, but across the country? Yes. Um, uh, again, that's the greatest predictor of where the facilities are located is the percentage of um, African-Americans and Latinos in, in, in most um, communities. You know, that, you know, that's, that, that, you know, is stunning to me. That's, that is a disgraceful statistic. And we'll talk about maybe uh, some ways in which people can get engaged in changing those dynamics. But as an allergist, I can tell you, that if you look at the number of African-Americans who are living in areas around um, of the country that are close to freeways, or, are close to facilities like refineries, and the incidence of asthma in those communities, uh, it's always for many, many years been a national disgrace. It's one of the expanders of health, of the issue of, of poor health equity for the African-American community. Um, one of the things that is interesting to me is that 
we, uh, from my perspective, I'm not sure I really understand the the climate uh, that we live in and what it looks like now, what it has looked like, and what it will look like if we don't intervene. Could you discuss that with us? Right. Yes. Yeah, so uh, climate change is happening. We're seeing it all around us. Um, and uh, African-American physicians see uh, the health effects of climate change in our patients um, more than other physicians do. Um, the climate is changing, and uh, obviously we're, we're getting a, a lot uh, more heat. We're getting droughts. We're getting wildfires in the West. Uh, we're getting more severe hurricanes uh, in the uh, Gulf and uh, along the Atlantic coast. Um, and even places that aren't near the coast, they're receiving more flooding, more rain. So when it rains, even if there's a drought, when it rains, it's more likely to have a downpour, a heavy downpour. Um, and so we're seeing more flooding um, uh, throughout the country, uh, but particularly in the uh, Midwest and, and northern, uh, northern Midwest, Western states. Wait a minute. Now you're leaving out the, the real um, uh, laboratory for need for environmental change when you don't talk about West, the Western United States, in particular California. We've had some of the worst fires that I've ever seen. We had a drought here. We've had a drought here for two years, and all of a sudden, we get 12 inches of rain last week. Uh, and so we're the laboratory for climate change in this country as much as the East Coast. Well, it, 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 we're, it's all over the country, and it's all over the world. The U.S. Is actually receives more um, uh, issues with climate change than most of the rest of the world, um, but... Uh, we're, everybody's saying it. Everybody's affected, but African Americans are more affected uh, than most people. Uh, when you say the U.S. is, uh, you know, when when people think about uh, uh, transgressions of climate change, they really don't think about the U.S. if they're living in the U.S. They think it's from China, Cambodia, Bangladesh, somewhere else. Uh, but right. you say that you say that uh, we're one of the biggest transgressions. What? What evidence do you have for that? Right. So historically, we have produced much more greenhouse gases, um, which uh, lead to global warming, uh, which cause all of these uh, issues that we're seeing that are causing the wildfires in the West, that are causing the floods in the um, in the uh, in most of the country, um, that are causing the increased uh, hurricanes um, in in the east that are causing more severe uh, tornadoes. Um, even, you know, I grew up in St. Louis and uh, oh, yeah. Midwest. Yeah. Um, we are seeing more severe hail. Um, we're seeing hail that damages um, rooftops, that damages cars, that cracks um, uh, the cement, the sidewalks, um, you know, and we never had that when I was growing up. Um, so we're seeing those effects and we're seeing and we know that it's from uh, greenhouse gases like carbon dioxide, uh, like um, natural gas, methane, um, like um, other uh, a, a number of other gases. And so we need to move uh, to 
reduce those gases as soon as possible uh, because um, what we're putting in the air today will still be there um, in 30 years, in 50 years. It'll still be increasing the temperature in 30 and 50 years unless we make, uh, but, but we can affect what happens after those 30 to 50 years. So you say, you're saying the damage has already been done. Well, some of it has been done, but it can get worse uh, if we don't do something now. We have to both uh, mitigate, that is to stop it from getting worse, as well as to adapt uh, to the changes that are already happening. And, and you know, in our communities are most impacted, uh, so we need to... Um, prepare our communities and to uh, make sure that that uh, low-income people and people of color um, are are centered in the plans uh, to um, to prepare communities uh, and to evacuate communities when necessary uh, because of severe weather you, you probably don't know this but we share something uh, we lived in St. Louis. Um, oh, really? my, my father ran a YMCA on Kings Highway. Oh, really? We lived on Cavani Place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew that YMCA. We used to, uh, my, my my aunt used to be um, a swim and a lifeguard there. Um, at the <laughs> well, my, dad, my dad was the first executive director of the one they put on Kings Highway. Yeah, so yeah. We lived in St. Louis for 11 years, 11 long years. We went in St. Louis even before climate change was terrible. Yeah, very hot, very humid. It was hot, humid. It was cold and filled with snow. Right. I mean, uh, we moved to New York and reconsidered. That was his next job was as the um, executive director of the Harlem YMCA. And so we moved to New York and got out. When we packed up and left St. Louis, man, we left a lot of friends. Well, we left a lot of pretty bad weather that was already bad. <laughs> right. My, my mother actually came to St. Louis to work in the YMCA. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> we'll, talk about, we'll talk about that offline. It's a small right. world. Among, right. You know, we are one degree of separation always. Yeah. One of the things that bothers me is I don't see, and even for myself, um, many African-Americans uh, in terms of proportions involved in the environmental movement be it climate change or environmental justice? Uh, am I just not in the right places? Uh, no, a lot of people don't recognize that the things that they're working on um, have to do with the environment. You know, they don't real, people don't realize that, that we're being exposed to many more hazards than others. Uh, and that the things that we're concerned about, uh, the um, high asthma rates, the high allergy rates, uh, the high cancer rates, the, um, you know, we don't realize that that's due to um, exposures that are in our communities that aren't in most communities. Um, so, you know, so I think that you know, we need to educate ourselves on the environmental hazards um, in our communities and what can be done to prevent them from uh, from winding up in uh, in communities like ours. Well, you know, I think many of us in the National Medical Association have fed off your passion for the environment because you kind of stuck with it when the rest of us were off and uh, doing other things. And I think you brought us into the 21st century. Talk to us about the commission on environmental justice of the National Medical Association. What is your objective? What are you doing? Right. Okay. Um, yeah. And before I do that, I did want to also point out 
that environmental hazards are um, placed in low-income communities, but in communities of color of every income. So wealthy Blacks are exposed to more um, environmental hazards uh, than wealthy or middle-income whites. Um, so, so, so you mean that 5,000 square foot house that you just bought uh, to get out of the... Uh, yeah, it, it, yes, it's more likely to be... Uh, in a flood zone, um, you're more likely to have a, a mold. You're more likely to, to be near a highway, et cetera. Yes. Market, it never changes. I always tell people that if I get hurt in the city and I had to go to the emergency room, I would put on a suit and get a briefcase from somewhere. But that doesn't <laughs> seem to change the outcome. So you're telling me that as we move out and we become upwardly mobile, we're still around these hazards. Well, tell us a little bit about the Commission on Environmental Justice, right. the National Medical Association. Why it was formed, what it's, do, what it's done, what it's doing. Right. So um, I was pleasantly surprised to find out that, that um, African-American physicians are very interested in the environment once they realize um, how many diseases that we see in our patients uh, are actually affected by uh, the environment. And so that the National Medical Association um, uh, we received a lot of support within the National Medical Association to weigh in on federal policies uh, that uh, disproportionately hurt uh, communities of color and uh, have an opportunity to promote policies on the federal level uh, that, that um, also help uh, communities of color. So one of the, some of the things that we do is to educate um, other uh, physicians and other healthcare providers about the links between environmental hazards um, and uh, the health of our communities. Uh, things that people don't think about, like lupus uh, and uh, ADHD, um, and even things like depression, uh, can be related to the environment. Uh, you know, and, and things like. Uh, hair care products uh, for African-American women. You know, African-American women use more of every type of hair care products than any other uh, ethnic or, or gender group. Um, use more shampoo, um, conditioners, um, and, and, you know, as well as other uh, treatments for uh, hair care, uh, for hair. And there's, you know, a study that shows that, that there's a link between uterine fibroids uh, and the number of scalp burns uh, that a woman has had, um, uh, and that, and we believe that that's because of uh, they use um, sometimes they use estrogens uh, in uh, a number of hair care uh, products, uh, and so those artificial estrogens uh, can uh, stem or stimulate um, uh, uterine fibroids. So what we try to do is to educate uh, health professionals as well as the public um, on, uh, uh, on a number of these issues and try to weigh in with uh, Congress and with the administration uh, to regulate um, these products and, and services to remove the toxics. You know, you would think that you know, people assume that government is protecting the health and that, it's, that things are well regulated. If it's on the shelf, it must be safe. But that's absolutely not true, um, particularly of cosmetics. 
In the U.S., there are um, there are eight or nine, maybe nine uh, substances uh, that are banned from being used in cosmetics uh, by the FDA. Um, in Europe, there are eleven hundred uh, chemicals that are banned. Say, say that again. In the U.S., there are nine chemicals that are banned from cosmetics. In Europe, there are 1,100. Oh, wow. so, so many um, many of the same uh, cosmetics that are sold on the shelf in the U.S. are banned in Europe, and they sell the same thing with a different formula, with a safer formula uh, in Europe than they do in the U.S., uh, because we don't have the proper regulation. So that's one of the things that the Commission on Environmental Health does is to try to say, you know, we need as, at least as much protection um, uh, as other countries. Um, so, yeah. So, so one of the things that I, uh, I really appreciate about your program is that you really are trying to develop some ambassadors in the black medical community to talk about environmental justice uh, and to act uh, developing policy uh, and being spokespersons for our community at the highest levels. Tell us about that program. Right. So we do it through a number of things. Like I said, we do a lot of physician education, but we have also launched um, a climate and health equity fellowship program um, this year to train African-American physicians on how climate affects health uh, in communities of color and on the policies that need to be put in place to protect low-income communities uh, and communities of color uh, from the uh, climate. You know, we didn't talk about <clears throat> that climate change is on top of all of these other uh, health problems that, that we're seeing. Uh, climate change makes makes our pre-existing conditions worse. You know, we're in our community, we're more likely to have uh, diabetes, which also can be associated with the environment. We're more likely to have obesity, which also can be associated with the environment. We're more likely to have heart disease, which can be associated with the environment. Um, uh, so all of these things, which, uh, you know, we, we obviously saw in the, in the pandemic, uh, that these things made it more likely that people in our uh, community would get COVID-19. They also make it more likely that we will, um, uh, that, that with climate change, we will have worse outcomes. So, so let me ask you, how do uh, those people who are interested in your health equity program, what would they do? I mean, how would they... Uh, how would they um, um, get engaged in that program? And right. what would they be doing? Right. So what we uh, do is that um, right now, this first class uh, is only uh, six fellows uh, with the National Medical Association. So we are uh, working through medical societies. Um, we are working with the National Medical Association, the National Hispanic Medical Association, and then we also have opened it up to many other medical societies 
uh, to the uh, physicians of color um, in other medical societies that are associated with the Medical uh, Consortium on Climate and Health, which includes most medical societies. So, so what, what kind of training do you give them? So we provide them. Um, right now, we, have, uh, we, we meet two half days a month um, on a Friday afternoon, the second Friday afternoon, and the, for, uh, the fourth Thursday evening of the month. And we have um, national speakers that come and speak to them about environmental justice, about uh, climate, about uh, you know farm workers and and the heat and uh, and uh, and exposure to chemicals, and then we talk about how climate affects um, all people, how it affects communities of color more, and we talked about the policies um, that both caused um, uh, us to be in the situations that we that we are in now. And the policies that are needed to change uh, to make us more resilient, not only to climate change, but also to reduce our uh, exposures uh, to other environmental hazards. Yeah, well, my question to you is what, when they get finished with this training, uh, is this a career or is this just an addendum to what you do and what you can go back and do in your community? What exactly is the outcome for the physician that finishes right. the program? Right. So uh, they are much more likely to, to be engaged in policy. Um, it can either be a career uh, for a few people, but most will uh, continue to use it throughout their careers and others. You know, we're, uh, for example, talking about um, how you can use it in your clinical practice. Um, the uh, American Academy of Pediatrics uh, just came out with a recommendation on um, uh, for patients on reducing uh, on talking about climate change and reducing their uh, energy use and increasing energy efficiency and uh, again all across the political spectrum people say that 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 they like that that they want to hear that from their doctors uh, that they um, are more likely to do something. Um, uh, even the conservatives say that they're more likely to do something because their doctor uh, pointed it out. Um, I have known uh, activists who have said that that um, they became active when they found out that that asthma um, is uh, in their children may be related to environmental exposures, you know, from the uh, factory or from the um, or, or traffic. Or, and I would imagine having a black doctor uh, engage in the discussion would move that needle even a bit more, because it is a, a little embarrassing that we have so few advocates, uh, yet we have so much disease associated with the environment. Right. And I this program, I think, if it turns out, uh, the number of doctors that have at least that as part of their profile, uh, they can it can only be helpful. Let me ask you one question: Can you remember? the reason and the time that you decided to get into the environmental discussion. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There were a couple of um, reasons. I was previously the director of the um, Hartford Health Department. Um, and there were uh, 
problems with odors from our our um, uh, our landfill. Uh, we went there and they said, you know, don't worry your pretty little head about it. Um, you know, uh, and besides, you know, you can't really the health department doesn't really have authority uh, to come here and tell us what to do uh, because we're a quasi-governmental agency uh, running this. And um, and I said, well, it's absolutely wrong. Uh, then um, there was also an incident where um, I, uh, after I left the health department, where I was asked to do some camp physicals for some kids across the street from my office, and I found that a third of them had asthma. So I went back to my colleagues, uh, my public health colleagues at the state and said, um, you know, I found that a lot of that a number of children uh, had asthma. Um, shouldn't we be doing something about it? You know, you're the one that's uh, in charge of investigating uh, chronic disease outbreaks. Um, you know, we didn't know whether this is a chronic disease outbreak, um, you know, but I'm, I'm very concerned about it. They said, well, you know, it's not unusual for um, inner city kids to have asthma, so we don't need to really look at it. Uh, so I said, <laughs> I said, well, if that's going to be the case, then I think that I am going to um, uh, dedicate my life to looking at um, uh, 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 environmentally related diseases. I also realized that that when we're looking at health disparities, that the diseases that were increasing in frequency um, had more environmental links uh, than those that were decreasing in frequency. Um, and yet people weren't talking about uh, uh, protecting the public and protecting our communities uh, from these conditions. And so that's when I decided that I would start an environmental justice organization and that I would work um, on environmental justice issues. Well, Dr. Mark Mitchell, you may not know this, but you really are a hero to most of us in the National Medical Association. Uh, we, we hear about the environment, but uh, it's really not at the top of our list uh, uh, of things, but you have brought it to the forefront and founding the, who's the other chair of the Commission on Environmental Health and National Medical Association? Yes, uh, Dr. Doris Brown. Yes, so uh, those are two very powerful voices uh, in the struggle, and we appreciate, we really appreciate you, and I'm sure you've received enough accolades uh, that uh, we don't have to give any more. I'd like to talk directly to those of you who are looking at this program uh, before we thank Dr. Mission. You know, you're involved in this. You've got to get involved in the environmental issue. As you've seen, it affects us more than other people. And so consequently, having the kind of people that Dr. Uh, um, Mitchell is uh, training, uh, getting involved in your local community around the things that are around you is so critically important. So let's kind of get together and take that action step. And Dr. Mitchell, when we have you back again, I hope we have a whole cadre of people who've been affected by your discussion. Thank you very much. And uh, for those of you who are listening to us, uh, keep watching the Wellness Watch every week. Remember, health is your biggest asset. So protect it. Thank you, Dr. Lenore. If you enjoyed our show, please remember to hit the subscribe button so that new episodes are delivered directly to you every week, as well as rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, listening to our show is as simple as telling your Alexa, Siri, or Google to play the Black Doctor Speak podcast. Take care, everyone.